That was awesome, wasn't it? <clears throat> I tell you, it's just what we're talking about. You know what our title is today? For this cause. And for the cause of Christ is what we're talking about. And we get involved, you know, it, and it costs us time and energy and resources. <clears throat> For the cause of Christ. And it makes an eternal difference in the lives of so many. Even if it's just one at a time. But for this cause, think about that for, for a moment. And if you'll look at it <clears throat> for, just block the T out for a moment. What does that say? For his cause. For the cause of Christ. Listen to what it says here. In um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. And it says, And I ask you, my true teammate, <laughs> to help these women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news, the good news that brings salvation. Now, can God actually use women to advance his kingdom? Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And one day, we're going to take a little bit of time and study this out a little bit better where there are people who, out of context, say that women shouldn't teach or preach or things like that. It's because they don't invest their time in studying what the Bible says. But God uses men and women, boys and girls, to advance his kingdom, to share the good news. And uh, it's just life-changing, life-changing. And we're so glad to see that little boy's life change because of Luann's investment of time and so many of us who invested our time there and in so many other areas of ministry, really, you know. But let me read that latter part of that verse there where, where it says, For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. In the NIV <clears throat> Bible it says, Contended at my side in the cause. They worked hard in telling others the good news, but they contended at my side for the cause, for his cause. You know, it's what he's talking about, the cause or, or the goal, the purpose that we're dedicated to. The true cause of Christ always motivates us to action, motivates us to action. The true cause, his cause, motivates us to do something to be men and women of action. So let me read verse 3 here again <clears throat> in another translation. And it says, And I ask you, my true, the word true there means loyal, I ask you, my true partner, that's talking about that teammate, to help these women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Hmm. Is it hard work telling people about Jesus? It surely can be. Absolutely. The next verse says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. You know, because the joy of the Lord is our, it's our strength. And you know what Psalms 51, it tells us, you know, we see the psalmist praying. says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. 
and sinners will be converted unto you. And we use all kinds of crazy tools, don't we, to share the gospel? Were you all here last week when I used the magnet? That was a powerful analogy. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I do uh, all kinds of crazy things at times. To share the gospel with other people. And uh, I just went down to the craft store and bought all these little things. They're not edible, okay? You know, just in case you're wondering. They're not edible. They're, uh, whoa, great little object lessons to share the gospel with. Let me see if I can get them all out of here. Kind of hard to grab a hold of sometimes. I should just dump them out on the floor, I reckon. Yeah. And who's going to pick them up for me? Okay, there we go. I got all five of them right there. <clears throat> now, I actually need a volunteer. You'll be fine. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Now, these are very heavy, but all I need is your hand. Now, you stand over here so everybody can see, all right? And put out your hand over this way. Now, you see this one here? If you've all been around long time, long enough, you'll see me use these colors in all kinds of fashions. Whether it's T-shirts, a little book, a little gospel nut that has these ribbon colors in there and all. But this one right here, <clears throat> it says on there, for all have sinned, and they fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of their sin is death. That's the little black one there. All right? And then this one here says, Ah, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And then this one says, Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. And when we accept Jesus' work, where he shed his blood for us, it washes our sins away. You know, so it just transforms our lives. And after, you know, we've all sinned. Every one of us have. And then when we accept Jesus, well, then all of our sins are washed away and we're left with our hearts like this, nice and clean. But it's important not just to stay there. The devil will try to steal that from us. And uh, this little green one here represents what's in Peter. This says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it's important once we've been cleansed to grow. And that's by, you know, taking God's word into our heart, being part of a good Bible teaching church somewhere, you know, it causes us to grow. And then the last one I have, Jesus says, <clears throat> and John there, he says, in my father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. This represents the streets of gold. And we probably all know somebody, somebody that we've loved, who is in the presence of the Almighty God right now. They're walking down those streets of gold. And so these five little uh, fuzzy balls right here, they represent the gospel. You can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those little things, or you could use those colors in jelly beans, or I've used so many... Uh, object lessons like this to share the, the gospel and it just gives you a point of contact it, it piques people's curiosity 
And for helping us out, you get to keep those, okay? All right. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So, let me, uh, let me uh, uh, pick up at verse 5 here. In Philippians 4, verse 5, it says, Let everyone see that you are considerate most of the time. <clears throat> oh, yes, you're right. It says, Let everyone consider it. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Another translation says, the Lord is near. The Lord is coming soon. So we work hard to tell other people, you know, about the book of life. It tells about in verse 3. And when a person receives that good news, Oh, yeah, we've all heard, have seen, we all feel that, you know, and Jesus died. Oh, he died for me. Yeah, he paid for all my sins, and I just got to believe and receive him, and he washes my sins away, and then I begin to grow and mature, and then one day I'll walk down those streets of gold too. But once we accept Christ, our name is written in the book of life. My name is actually written in a real <clears throat> book that God has. Angels recorded it. My name is written in the book of life. And if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, your name is written there too, for real. I mean, that's just what the truth of God's word, it tells us. So, it says in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 14, it says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached. And you might use this old fuzzy pom-pom balls to share the gospel with, or a magnet like I used last week, or 10,000 other ways to get the gospel out. Because we believe in communicating God's message in a relevant way, a way that people can understand. And it says, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations, all peoples, will hear it, and then the end will come. Now, is it possible that we're getting near the end? Is the gospel being preached all over the world? It actually is. It is absolutely amazing. I never dreamed it would happen this way. But there are people who live everywhere on our planet, whether it's in Antarctica or whether it's out in the, the deserts that are just dry and seemingly lifeless. People raise camels or goats, and they have laptop computers and solar power to charge their things, and they communicate with people all over the world. It's like amazing. And in some of the most primitive places on this planet, even the most primitive people have cell phones. It's crazy. But God has used that tool. Is it abused? Absolutely. But does God use it? Absolutely. And the gospel is being shared everywhere. And he says here in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Now, I don't know if the end's going to come today or maybe this coming week or this month or even this year, but I know we're closer than we were. And I do know it's being fulfilled at an amazing rate where the gospel is getting out. And I know the Wycliffe Bible translators have been translating the Bible in every known language and writing the languages for people who don't have a written language, teaching it to the, the tribe's people or whoever it might be so they can hear the gospel in their own native tongue 
It's amazing <coughs> what is happening there. Now, I want us to read another verse here. And I want you to look at this verse, you know, <coughs> for the first time. I know you've heard it. You can probably quote it. But let's look at <coughs> this verse as if it was for the first time. It's in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 30. And it says, and you must love. Now, you understand that love is an action. Love is not just a word. Because talk is cheap. You can say anything and not do it, you know. But it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second command is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is also action love your neighbor. You can't say, oh, yeah, I love him. Well, if there's no corresponding action, you don't, <laughs> you know. And it says, no other commandment is greater than these. Loving God with all, loving your neighbor as yourself. And I have a neighbor that has been my neighbor for about 15 years. The neighbor on the other side of me, I had the privilege of leading him to Christ quite a few years ago, and he is with the Lord right now. He died a couple years ago, and he's with Jesus now. And some of his family know Christ, and they're forgiven, and their names are in the book of life, you know. Now, the neighbor on my other side, uh, we had attempted to get to know, and uh, no fault of his or mine, uh, we just, you know, I popped over a few times, introduced myself, talked to them, you know, and so forth, come sing Christmas carols to them, a lot of bring some vegetables that we had uh, grown and <clears throat> things like that, but we just it just never clicked. <clears throat> and he's a great guy, a German guy, who's a baker for 50 years. And has no, his wife went to be with the Lord seven years ago, and he has no children or anything, you know. And uh, it's been about six months now, I think it is, I've been reaching out to him. You know, he has a doctor's appointments, he had open heart surgery, he has all kinds of other uh, situations right now, and I take him to all of his doctor's appointments. I go in with the doctors, and I hear what's being, I'm, 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 I'm like a son, you know, that's there for him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a privilege for me, for me to demonstrate God's love, you know, to, now our neighbor is not just the people who live right beside us, but that's a good place to start, you know. So I would be curious to ask you, <clears throat> how many of you know your neighbor's name who lives on the right side of you and your neighbor's name who lives on the left side of you. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's not okay, you know. You go, well, yeah, you know, it's like, pray. Say, Lord, help me to get to know my neighbor. You know what happened? Probably his mail will end up in your mailbox. <laughs> so now you know his name. You walk up from there and you go, you know what, your mail ended up in my mailbox, and here it is. Hey, it's good to know you. And you're what? And, and who knows how God can do it, right? But that's his cause, is to love our neighbor as we love our own self. And the devil would try to distance us so we don't get to know our neighbor, to be honest with you. That's, that's what he would like to do. So, you know, people were Jesus's 
priority. There wasn't nothing more important on this planet than people. The Bible says Jesus, he left his riches and glory. He came here to seek and save the lost, to touch people's lives. Are people a priority to us? Are people your priority? Are, are people our priority? Think about that for a moment. Uh, <clears throat> another question. <clears throat> as far as driving goes, how many of you have ever been broke down? Anybody ever been broke down on the side of the road? A few of you. Okay, yeah. Some people don't want, they're not proud of it. They're just like, there's a little finger thing there, you know. Well, we'll talk about it just a wee bit more. But what I want you to do is watch this little video clip. so like to help you. I am not a mechanic. Definitely not my thing. Hey, honey, you see that guy? Yeah, I see him. Do you think we should stop and help him or something? Nah. You don't want me to stop and help this guy. He's not our type. He looks kind of creepy.
anybody know what the sermon's about this morning? Well, it says here something about serving others. Huh. feel comfortable stopping and picking him up well he doesn't want to call someone to go back and check him out right there's thousands of things we can do <clears throat> if we're loving our neighbor we're thinking well that could have been my son or my daughter or my wife broke down on the side of the road and we do unto others as we would like them to do to us right revelation chapter 2 verse 4 as we listen what jesus had to say to the early church revelation 2 4 says i have this complaint against you you don't love me or each other as you did at first is it possible that our love for god and other people could cool down it's very possible and it says in john 14 15 it says if you love me obey my commandments so uh, have you been experiencing any uh, what we call mission drift <laughs> where we've drifted off course just a wee bit <clears throat> and you know I had read uh, years ago about a ship it was a wooden ship and one of the hands on the ship was cleaning the compass and uh, he was using a rag cleaning the, the glass on the top and where it was sealed in there uh, the glass and the brass he took the point of his knife with the rag and he cleaned all the dirt out but in the process unknown to him he broke the tiniest piece of the tip of his knife off in the compass that was metal it pulled the compass off just like one degree and once their ship was discovered when it had crashed 300 miles off course it was because of that one little piece of metal that had caused them to go off course just a tiny bit but over a long period of time that little bit makes a lot does it not so are we experiencing mission drift our own self from what god has called us to do he says here i'm going to read uh, verse four in revelation two once again he says i have this <clears throat> complaint against you this is jesus talking to the church there i have this complaint against you you don't love me Jesus said or each other as you did at first verse 5 says look how far you have what's that word fallen look how far you've drifted off course look how far you've fallen from your first love to love God and then to love your neighbor as yourself turn back to me again and work as you did at first and Jesus is saying that to us to the local church in this day now, I have shared uh, this story quite a few times over the years, but it's so <clears throat> appropriate to see uh, how a church can drift off course. And here is Church of God Grill. And they started out as a mission. And they began to sell chicken dinners after church on Sunday to help pay for the bills. People liked the chicken, and they did such a good business that eventually they cut back on the church services, 
And after a while, they just closed down the church altogether. And they kept on serving chicken dinners. And they kept the name that they had started with, Church of God Grill. That's the way they'd answer when you called them on the telephone to place your order. Well, let's make sure that you and I do not drift away from our original cause, our original purpose. To love God of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbors, ourselves, To make fully devoted followers of Christ. To build vibrant relationships and to communicate God's message in relevant kinds of ways. <clears throat> you know, uh, there's some folks who begin to major on minors. And they ended up, the church just turned into a restaurant. They might have had some good chicken, but they stopped making an eternal difference in people's lives. You know, they'd forgot about the broken down people, the men and women with broken hearts. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 147, verse 3. It says, He heals the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. That's what it says. Actually, <clears throat> I'd like to share another little object lesson with you uh, can I have a volunteer my wife will be okay as long as is that okay with you alright I might pick on her a little bit too much sometimes but I've used a, a, a deck of cards I'm only using this deck of cards that happens to be a big deck of cards because it's easier to see up here and all so uh, is this okay with you you don't mind helping me out just a little bit here Glad to help me out there? Okay, cool. Well, I have three playing cards here. And what I would like you to do, <clears throat> if you would, just to tell me the names of these cards. Okay, the Ten of Spades. Ten of Spades. The King of Hearts. King of Hearts. And Two of Clubs. Two of Clubs. When I was a kid, I didn't know what clubs was. I'd always say the Two of Puppy Dog Feet. I, I didn't know. <clears throat> All right, so where is the King of Hearts? Where do y'all think it is? It's in the middle, right? Okay. What I want you to do is just to take the king of hearts out there, if you would. All right, don't turn it over, though, okay? So, I just gave you the king of hearts, and I still have what? The ten of spades and the two of clubs. All right, and you have? The king of hearts. The king of hearts. But you don't have the one you think you have. You have the real king of hearts. The king who heals the broken hearts and sets the captives free and brings transformation to a people's lives. Now I want you to show us your card. All right. Thank you, ma'am. Well, to be honest with you, I have done that trick tens of thousands of times with this deck of cards that I'd often carry in my pocket with me and no matter where I was at, <clears throat> I mean tens of thousands of thousands because what I would do when I would share that little gospel presentation, I would give somebody the card. I was in Waterbury one day, and there were three guys leaning over against the building, sipping their suds and all, and I had a little gospel track, and I walked by them and I said, hey, I'm going to give you this little book that tells you about how much Jesus loves you. They wasn't interested. Okay, what do you do? You cry, you go home, you know? It's just like, all right. 
I don't catch a fish on that lure, let me look at my tackle box and see what I got, okay? So then I said, hey, guys, would y'all like to see a card trick? Now, though they didn't want to read a little book about how much Jesus loved them, everybody wants to see a card trick. So I did the whole thing, and all of a sudden, un unknowns to them, one of the guys especially, it just broke his heart. When I did that, and he saw that, and I said, and I want you to take that card, because Jesus don't want to be on just a, a card in your pocket, but I want you to take this card home with you and put it somewhere you'll see it every day. But he don't want to just be on a card in your pocket. He wants to truly be the king of your heart. And this guy was bawling like a little baby. And so there on the sidewalk, we held hands together and prayed. And he asked Jesus to come into his life right there. And I'm telling you, there's all kinds of tools that we can use to share the gospel with people. If we, if we want to do so. And if, if you're a fisherman, I mean, your goal is to catch a fish, right? And you're willing to adapt to whatever the fish might be biting there. So anyhow, uh, it says there in Psalms 147, verse 3, <clears throat> it says, He heals the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. Now, some kings, you know, don't care about the subjects of their kingdom. But Jesus does. He cares about the people who are in his kingdom. And often he cares for his people through you. He loves them through you, through me. That's just what he does sometimes. And we think about it, and I just wrote a little note to myself here, the different kinds of people, the, the demonic man, you remember? He, he was broken down um, with sin. He was controlled by demons. But Jesus came and set him free. Set him free. Transformed his life. You remember the woman who was caught in the act of adultery? You know, she was broken down and lost. <clears throat> and Jesus came by and forgave her and pardoned her. You know, transformed her life forever. That's what took place there. And you remember the woman who had a daughter who was demon-possessed? And she was broken down and just hopelessness. And Jesus came by and set her free. Just set her free and brought hope back to her. Jesus could remedy anything. And Jesus took time for people that other people wouldn't bother to take time for. Such as um, children. You know, when I asked for, we well, need some help in the youth ministry back there. Everybody kind of goes, Oh, yeah, son. Um, yeah. Mm. I need to go change the air in my tires today, so I don't think I can. Or something like that, maybe. <clears throat> there was a, a lame man at a pool, you know, and Jesus came by and he healed the man. And, and the man was broken down with sin and sickness. And Jesus healed him and says, Now go and sin no more, lest something worse comes upon you. You remember? But Jesus set the man free. And, and, and lepers often, <clears throat> they were, you know, broken down with sickness. And Jesus would come and he would touch the untouchables. And he would heal and he would restore them. And, and the blind men who were broken down with just discouragement, he would open their eyes and give them sight. He would change them. And Jesus, he came alongside you and me, did he not? And he changed our lives. Written our, our names in the book of eternal life. Many of us here, I'm sure. And Jesus offers 
each person on this planet hope. He genuinely does. He offers them a confident expectation for their future. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 78. It says, A new day will dawn on us from above because of God, because our God is loving and merciful. He's our example to follow by being loving and merciful to other people. And in Psalm 63, verse 3, it says, Your loving kindness is better than life. Now, life is pretty good. But the psalmist says, Lord, your love and kindness is better than life itself. Wow. Have you experienced that kind of love and kindness from God yet? In the book of Matthew 4, verse 16, it says, The people who sat in darkness, you know, they were dying in their sin. They've seen a great light. There's a light that popped up on the horizon out there. <clears throat> Hope is now available. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, turn from your sins and turn to God. Now, Jesus wasn't screaming with a mean old nasty looking face, with a gruff old voice. No, sir. Jesus began to preach, hey, turn from your sins. Turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's right around the corner. And he was telling them some good news that would change their lives forever. And it says in verse 18, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net. For they were commercial fishermen. <clears throat> it says in verse 19, Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Oh, wonderful. I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they went with him. See, a fisherman's always learning, always willing to learn a new method of fishing. And uh, I, I like fishing myself. If you've been around very long, you've probably done figure that out. But I like fishing for bass, and oftentimes I make my own lures, you know. I think right now, when we're loving other people, we're loving our neighbor, that emergency vehicle may be going to somebody we know. It's possible. So let's take a moment and pray for them. Lord, don't know who that is who's in need, and I don't know who that is responding. But I ask that you'd help them both. Help the person who is in need and help the person who is responding and, and draw them closer to you and meet their needs, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See, uh, <clears throat> uh, now I, I do all kinds of fishing. Stop our truck. Lord, we ask another special blessing. Wherever there might be a fire, it might be our house. Lord, whatever the case is, we ask that you would help them put the fire out, and we hope it's just a false alarm. But help them, Almighty God. And all the people who are responding now, help them, keep them safe in their fast driving to, to get to the people who is in need. Help them, Father, if they're responding to an accident or something. Help them, meet their needs, we ask. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. You know, that's always a good thing to do, right? Anytime you hear a vehicle like that, to stop and to pray. 
But uh, as I was saying, I like fishing. I'm always willing to learn. If you're catching fish and I'm not, I'm looking over there and wondering, what, what are you fishing with? I think I have one of those in my tackle box. And I do make <clears throat> quite a few of my own fishing lures. I do, because I couldn't find them nowhere. And uh, I've been learning a new method of fishing. I haven't really had a chance to prove it too much yet, but I've been a fly fisherman for probably 35 years. And, off, and I could always catch, I don't know, three, four, five, maybe six fish a day, you know, on, on these dry flies and all. But I'm learning another method of dry, uh, or fly fishing, which I believe. I just need to get out there and practice it a little bit, what I've been reading about and studying about. I believe I can catch 60 fish a day. And uh, a fisherman, he likes to catch fish. And the goal is to catch more fish. Does that make sense? So, and you say, Pastor Ron, you're talking about winning souls. Now you done switched over and talking about fish. Well, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> Jesus said, he called and said, come be my disciples, and I'll show you how to fish for people. I believe it's important to know how to catch a fish. Because if you know how to catch a fish, then you'll know how to catch people. And do you know what? The most important part of catching fish with your gear and all it is it the fishing pole? Is it the hook? Is it the reel? What's the most important part? The bait. If you're going to cut corners, don't cut corners with the bait, with the lure, with the fly. And I'm going to tell you, you and I have been given the most fantastic, wonderful bait on the planet. And that's good news. Everybody is hungry and desperate for the good news. They really are. <clears throat> Let's see here. Verse 20 says... And they left their nets at once, and they went with him. And a little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them to come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Do you have such a compelling, you know, think about this compassionate, captivating, noble cause that would cause you to change your priorities? It's like, yeah, this is what his cause. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been looking for. This is worth it all. You think about that for a moment. Hmm. You know, um, William Booth, founder of Salvation Army, you know what the last word he ever spoke on this planet before he died? Anybody know? others that's the last word he ever spoke others he was saying you put your focus on other people that's why Jesus came for others and the goal was to get them to heaven that's what it's all about get the name written in the book of life <clears throat> that's what he's talking about and it says here in Luke 179 it says he will give light to those who live in the dark and in death's shadow He'll give light to those who live in the dark and in death's shadow. And he will guide us into the way of peace. Now think about this for a moment. And you know, uh, this past week, a little bit over a week ago, Dan Papilas, his dad, went to be with the Lord. You know? And uh, I had actually told him, we had talked here in the last few months, and I told him about me going and sliding down the streets of gold in my sock feet. And Rascal beat me there. You know what I'm saying? Is heaven real to you? 
It is real. And, and this is a verse. I hope you don't mind me sharing it. But that Dan and his, uh, his dad's pastor shared. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. In victory, death is swallowed up. No longer afraid of death. Death has lost its sting. That's good news. That's fantastic news. And people are hungry for that news. Death is swallowed up in victory. I mean, death has lost its sting. No longer does it frighten us. Verse 57 says, And how we thank God who gives us victory over sin and over death through Jesus Christ our Lord, who, who is now risen. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And, and, and for this cause or for his cause, and his cause is to forgive people and to change them and to transform them. That's just the truth of it. Now, will you allow God to love people into heaven? Through you? Through you. Maybe by sharing some of these little uh, black and red and white and green and yellow pom-poms or maybe a card trick or maybe a magnet or maybe 10,000 other ways that we can share the good news. It's just captivates your attention so we can talk to people and tell them about this fantastic hope and this victory that God has provided for us, you know. Listen to what it says here. And this is God communicating with Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Now your guilt is removed. Now how important is that? If someone were to tell you your guilt's removed, that is extremely lame. You know that, right? Woo! Wow! Awesome! Fantastic! My guilt has been removed. Your guilt. The guilt that you have that nobody, not another living soul, knows about. You've never told anybody. But it gnaws at you and it eats at you. Your guilt is removed. Or the guilt that everybody knows about. It's embarrassing. And you feel condemned. Or, or the guilt that you have when anything in your life bad happens, you go, yes, because of that thing I did once upon a time. I'm going to tell you something. When your guilt is removed, it changes you. You feel lighter. The, the, the weight of it is lifted off. And it says, now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven I mean how great a news is that that's what I'm talking about our, our guilt is removed and our sins are forgiven because it's, it's, it's that rebellion against God that keeps us out of heaven and God you know he sent his son the father sent his son to die for us to remove our guilt and to forgive our sins he did everything in his power to forgive us and cleanse us so our names can be written in the book of life and that we can live with him forever. And this is good news. No, this is great news. This is fantastic news. And it's like, man, I, I can hardly wait to go out today and find somebody to tell about, hey, your, your guilt has been removed. It's already been paid for. You know, your sins are forgiven. It, it's already got your name on it. All you got to do is accept it. It's like, man, how can we contain ourselves when we got such fantastic news to talk to our neighbors about? It's wonderful, fantastic. 
And then he goes on to say, Isaiah chapter 6, picking up in verse 8. He says, Then I heard the Lord ask him, Whom should I send as a messenger to my people? To tell them what? That your guilt is removed and that your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, Isaiah was saying, I heard the Lord asking, Whom whom should I send as a messenger to my people? And who will go for us? And, and I said, My Lord, I'll go. Send me. I'm the least likely, and I'm telling you about me personally, I'm the least likely who would ever say such a thing. Because when I was in some of my school, I wasn't interested in school at all. I'm just being honest with you. I sat in the back of the classroom, you know. I was a bus driver. School bus, down south, they let the students drive the buses. Can you believe that, you know? The last two years of my high school, I drove a bus to school with 68 kids on it each way. You know, and because of that, I had a excuse. Any class I wanted to cut, oh, you're a bus driver. Okay, all right, not a problem. And so I didn't get the best education I should have. But after I responded to the call of God about my 12th year, right as I was graduating, and I responded to God's call upon my life, and I went to a Christian college, and then I transferred, you know, after a year to another college and Susan and I both went too, you know, and <clears throat> because I didn't really study when I was in high school that much, now I have to study every day of my life. <laughs> so you better do good in school or you'll get stuck doing something like I do, you know. But God chooses to use the foolish and the weak things of this world. He says there's not many noble not many of the, the, the most elite, the high, highest educated, not some, but not as many of those have been called because God chooses to use the foolish and the weak things of this world to confound the wise because people are going to look, well, I know that guy, you know. Ain't no way he could do this. God must be helping him out, you know. And that's what, that's, that's just the truth of it. But I believe of all my heart there's some folks in this room right now, maybe in the balcony up there, maybe in our cafe downstairs or our overflow, and surely there's some folks watching online. And when I read that verse a while ago, verse 8, when the Lord said, Whom should I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go? I believe there's something in somebody here today that was just like kind of burning almost to the point of a tear it's like I, I, I wish it could be me can't who will go he says who should I send as a messenger to my people who will go for us and I said Lord I'll go send me in our day, with Isaiah's response, but in our day, there's men and women, I believe some boys and girls, 
but it's burning on the inside. So, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do to reach the people in my sphere of influence. It's important that we grasp the reality of that. He says here in Acts 3, verse 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a, a, a man lame from birth, <clears throat> boy, he was broken down. He was being carried each day. He was put beside the temple gate, and the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple because they were more generous, you know. That was his only way to survive. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, like he asked everybody. And Peter and John looked at him, how? Intently. They didn't avoid eye contact. They didn't just talk amongst themselves and rush by the guy. They, they saw in him a need. They weren't trying to avoid him. You know, when you see a guy standing there going, we'll work for food or whatever, and you try not to make eye contact maybe or to get in another lane or drop something on the floor and you're out too busy, that's not what these guys did, see. Lord, we ask you to bless these guys going to whatever's been going on. We ask you for a miracle to help those in their time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyhow, these, Peter and John, they, they met this guy where he was. They genuinely cared about him. They, they listened to him from the heart. They might have been late for prayer now because they genuinely cared about this guy you know do we listen to people from our heart you know anyhow and peter said look at us that was the next words when the guy was asking for some money and and peter said look at us the lame man looked up at them eagerly what's the next three words say he looked up, oh, wow, you know, maybe I'm going to get some money for, for lunch and dinner now. This is going to be awesome. It says he looked up. <clears throat> he looked at them eagerly, expecting the gift. And I'm going to tell you, that's the key to faith, is expecting to receive. But Peter didn't want him to be, misunder, un, to be misunderstood. He said, Peter said, I don't have any money for you. And I'm sorry about that. But I'll give you what I have. You know, he, he just taught us a valuable lesson. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. And he said, I don't have any money for you, but I'll give you what I have. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and, and walk. And if you remember last week, we read the passage where Jesus says, All authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me, and I give it to you and go and share the gospel for the people. And here, this is what Peter's doing. He says, I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. He's saying, trust God here. And then listen to what he did. Verse 7 says, and then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. He was a man of action. He said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. All this took place in just a matter of seconds. I mean, that's kind of risky, isn't it? Number one, to say, get up and walk. And then the next, you grab a lame man by the hand and you lift him up? That's kind of risky, isn't it? What's the worst thing that can happen? Is it the guy not be healed? 
but he'll never forget those guys who loved him enough to try. But they weren't settling for just trying. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and he stood on his feet and he began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God and he went into the temple with them. Can you imagine right now if somebody busts in our back door and they're going, Pastor, you know me, I've been lame all my life and God just healed me. Hey, calm down, I'm not through preaching yet. Well, Pastor, I'm excited. What God? Ushers, would you please take him out of here? That was what the religious people usually did. But because everyone had been giving money to this lame man for years, they could not deny the fact that it was him. They knew him. And he was running and jumping and cutting somersaults and saying, look what Jesus has done for me. It was awesome. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. It, it really, really was. You know, motivated by the cause of Jesus Christ. Peter and John gave what they had. We can always focus on what we don't have. You remember the, 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 the widow who she was there going into the temple and Jesus and the disciples was over there and Jesus said, hey, look, look at that woman there. Watch her. And she gave two coins that did not add up to a penny. And she put it in. And they were watching other wealthy religious people coming by, dropping whole bags of gold and jewels into there. And Jesus says, that woman <clears throat> has given more than them all. You remember that? Now, that woman don't know about that at that time. She probably knows about it now. But Jesus, she gave everything she had. These guys gave, they had barns full of treasure. And they gave it, it looked like a lot to some, but it was just, it was just you know, excess of, that they would never use in the first place. And so that woman, for the cause, for the cause of Christ, she gave all she had because the cause was burning in her own heart, you see. And in reality, she gave more than she ever dreamed possible. You've heard about it, haven't you? I've heard about it. You know, for generations and generations have heard about it, and many have been willing to give because we think of the woman who gave the two little coins that wasn't even valued as a penny, but it's all she had. That was her lunch money for that day. Do you think that woman went without eating that day? Jesus was watching her, did he not? Do you think she went without? I don't think so. God honors people who live for his cause. He really does. So let's do what we can for the cause of Christ. I'm going to read you one more verse. It says in Luke 12, 31, it says, And he will give you all you need from day to day if you'll make the kingdom of God your primary cause, your primary concern. If you'll make the kingdom of God the most important thing, he's going to take care of all your needs. And some people can look at situations and go, Well, I, I can't climb that mountain. He won't, I, I just can't climb that mountain. Well, maybe you can't, but maybe you can go, You know what? I can hold a rope while somebody else does. What's God calling you to do?
to deliver a message to this generation, the men and the women, the boys and the girls who live in your sphere of influence. I wonder if there's a, a one who would say to God today sometime, Lord, you, you spoke to me. I'll go. Send me. Father, I ask your blessings upon the men and the women, the boys and the girls in this room and in the balcony and the <clears throat> overflow in the cafe and all those who are watching online. Father, inspire us and show us how to share that good news that our guilt has been removed and our sins have been forgiven. Show us how to share that with those who don't know yet. Help us to share the good news with those who mean life itself to them. Help us to share the good news with those like Luann, that little boy that she was loving into your kingdom. Help us to share the good news with the little boys and the girls and the men and the women that you bring into our sphere of influence. Lord, so they will never fear death themselves. That the, the, the sting of death, which is sin, will be removed from their life and they'll have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Almighty God. Just touch our hearts and show us what you want us to do. And all those who are responding to you now, saying, Lord, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Send me, Lord. I'll go. Lord, empower them. Give them creativity. Just stir their ability to be relevant, to, to communicate in a way that's easy to grasp and understand. Bless us who are here in this room and who are watching wherever we might be. Give us the mind of Christ, that we can live for your cause and that we can change this world in which we live now. Father, I ask you for a miracle to take place in us and through us as we respond to you. And as our heads are bowed, would you pray a simple prayer with me to reaffirm your faith in Christ as many who may be here today or watching online may declare their faith for the very first time. Would you pray with me now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And I believe you've got great plans for my life. I believe you sent Jesus. And I believe he paid for all my sins on the cross. And I believe he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door now. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I give you the rest of my life. Be honored through me. I ask in Jesus' name.